Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's the afternoon delight here on ESPN Pittsburgh. We're presented by Duncan. Pittsburgh runs on Duncan. To the phone lines we go. One of our real friends, friends of the show, friend in real life. It's my buddy, Chris Carter, kind enough to join us here on Mondays to discuss everything happening with the Steelers and around the National Football League. Chris, there's plenty that I want to discuss today as it relates to J.J. Watt. As it relate, we'll do our weekly uh, Ben Roethlisberger heat check here. Before we get into all that, I did want to ask you maybe a bigger picture NFL draft question, Chris. And sure. I feel like we hear this this time every year. I heard Colin Cowherd talking about it today. I heard Mike Greenberg talking about it today. So Fox Sports and ESPN. This, oh man, it's such a good quarterback year for the draft. If you're a team who needs a quarterback, you got to be aggressive. You can't stand pat. You can't stand by. You got to make a move. You can't let this quarterback draft pass you by because who knows what's coming out next year. Like, Chris, we do this, and we manufacture this quarterback rat race all the time. Like, all these people were high on Mac Jones and and Kyle Trask and Trey Lance all of a sudden for the whole year. Like, we didn't just have Justin Herbert and yeah. Joe Burrow come out last year and Kyler Murray the year before. Like, am I wrong here, or is it like I hear this every year and I just roll my eyes? Like, it's the quarterback position, man. More and more kids are playing quarterback every day. Like, it's not like what's happening with offensive tackles and offensive linemen where a lot of those guys are becoming pass rushers and you're seeing the disparity now. Like, everybody mm-hmm. still wants to play quarterback, man. It's the stud position in all of sports. Like, how none of us knew that Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson would be on the open market this time last year. I just – I feel like we hear that every time around, you know, once we get close to combine draft time. The, oh, man, if you need a quarterback, you better be aggressive. Don't get, <laughs> don't, don't get left behind. Don't get left behind. And then somebody reaches for Mac Jones. Right. I mean, so we, you remember the Josh Rosen hype and how he was the smartest of his quarterback right, class. Right. You'd be, so, you'd be so great to pick him if you were in the top 15, and now he's not even on a team anymore. And it's like, come, like, come on, guys. And, again, you, you look at – from 2009-2016, not a single player who was drafted, not a single quarterback who was drafted in the first round is still with their team from those NFL drafts. Cool. And something I even thought about, not a single quarterback who was drafted in the first round outside of Patrick Mahomes, there's only one quarterback who was drafted in the first round that actually won a Super Bowl for their team and, and, you know, from, from now to, two, from 2000, to 2009. Uh, and then the next guy would be Joe Flacco. But when you, you, know, you, you got to you go look back and you like, like, come on, man. Like there are, we get it. Quarterback is an important position, but it's not the only position that matters. And in fact, most of the teams that win Super Bowls aren't just because they have a great quarterback, unless you have the best quarterback, which is why Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, have been where they've been. But you look at Tom Brady this year. Tom Brady won because of the defense that was built around him and how many offensive weapons that he had and how balanced that their their, their team was. You know, you look at Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson won his Super Bowl because their defense was elite and they balanced it with a great running back. Peyton Manning, he won it with the Broncos. They had an elite defense and an offense that did just enough with him at the most limited point of his career, and they were able to win. So many teams 
It's about balancing your team. And the quarterback is important. There's no doubt about that. But reaching for a quarterback just to reach for a quarterback is a mistake. It's just why reaching for any position mm-hmm. is a mistake. Keep your, it's what you and I talked about on the Locked On Steelers podcast just last week. Best player available is the way to live by. If you go for, like, like I, I was just talking with somebody about this on Twitter. You know, I, I, I'm not here to go for the eighth or ninth offensive tackle on the board when the number one running back or the number two linebacker or, you know, anybody that's a first-round grade is still available just because the Steelers need an offensive tackle. You know, I, I'm waiting on center. You know, if, if the center's a position, center positions where I said, like, you know what, if the guy falls to you in the second or third round, that's where you go get it. But you're not rushing to get any, any of those centers this year. None of them are Marquis Pounceys. You know, so a lot of them might be, you know, really good guys, guys that you can depend on for, for, for you know, most of the next decade. But, you know, it, it's just, again, it's about evaluating talent, knowing who's where and who brings what to your team. And, um, and quarterbacks the same way. I know it's, it's the sexier pick, and that's why every year we talk about doing this. But how many times have teams busted on, on, on a quarterback yeah. horribly? And, and trade it up to do so. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, they trade it up yep. to get Mitch Trubisky, and, and look where look where that's at. Without a doubt, Chris, uh, spoken very well there. And, you know, even when you get the quarterback, look at Seattle, look at Houston. They're not in great yeah. situations either. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. that's well said by you, our buddy Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports and the Locked On Steelers podcast with us here on 970 ESPN. All right, Chris, it's time. Our weekly Ben Roethlisberger heat check. We still continue. <laughs> we still continue to wait and wait and wait and wait some more. How are you feeling about this? Are, are you still feeling that it's inevitable that it gets done? Or you know, I feel like I'm, I've asked you this same thing the last couple of weeks, but the longer and longer this plays out, man, it really seems like that whole, like, I don't care about my pay this year and I'll play for free and all that stuff was kind of hogwash and that it, it is clear that what they're going to do with his contract and what that means for him money-wise and what that means for the Steelers cap-wise is still a significant hurdle that both sides have to clear. Well, so I think there was one thing here. Ben didn't actually say he does, he, he'll, he'll take nothing this year. He just said, I don't care about my salary in the sense that I think he's willing to negotiate whatever he's got to to keep it down. I do think that Ben Roethlisberger is not going to take a pay cut, but you can still give the Steelers a huge break in the salary cap just with an agreement. You know, Dan, Dan Graziano broke this down for ESPN. He said if they do the whole four-year extension thing with the contract voiding after 2021, they could clear as much as $14 million in cap space to the Steelers hmm. this year. And, yes, that would become due next year for them. But that's something that I think they'd be willing to say, huh, you know what, we'll take that one on the chin uh, just to buy us more time to figure out what we're actually doing at the quarterback position uh, moving, moving forward. Uh, you know, it's, again, I look at this, the, this comes down to the Steelers aren't really going to make a move until they have a, a concrete idea of what the salary cap is. And that may happen before we even know. Uh, you know as you know, there's insiders and there, nobody's got more insiders than the actual teams who were on the inside. You know, if the Steelers have, have a sense that, hey, we know what the salary cap number is going to be, then they'll start making, then they'll start making actual moves. But the reason they haven't is because they don't know yet. And I, I think that's what this comes down to. This isn't a every day that waits that means that Ben Roethlisberger and Kevin Colbert are growing colder towards each other. It's, it's not like that way. It's more so that they're they're just each they're each waiting to see what the numbers are. They've probably talked two or three times by now and said like, "Hey, what number are you looking for? Hey, what number are you sure. looking for? All right, we can meet here. If it's this, if it's this, if it's this other way, we'll go that direction. If it's this way, we'll go this direction. That's that's what the, this is coming down to. What this isn't a, a stuck figure where you know they're they're arguing with each other about money and. And this is good, and uh, you know, throwing throwing chairs at each other from across the room. This is a uh, 
they're they're taking their time and they know and they know and again they've got about two ish two and a half ish more weeks uh you know to deal with this before March 17th comes up and the new year starts and then we'll but I I'm pretty confident we'll know before then what's going on now I'm just picturing Kevin Colbert or Omar Khan going all Bobby Knight and just tossing a chair across the room. <laughs> uh, Chris, sticking with contract extensions and, and, and using those to alleviate some cap concerns, uh, could we see a, a Joe Hayden or a Steven Nelson uh, extension a, a, along the same vein here uh, uh, shortly, I should say? I think both would actually be appropriate. This team needs cornerbacks, and their defense is really good right now. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, like, oh, they got to rebuild. It's like, well, not really, because if, you know, the defense, they still have all the pieces they need, you know, at least as the starters, you know, it, it, you know especially considering Alex Highsmith, if he just doesn't, if he doesn't fall off and have a sophomore slump, you're going to have a really good front four. Now, yes, they need to address depth. They need a backup edge rusher. They need probably another off-ball linebacker that can help. They need, you know, to, to lock down Cameron Sutton or Mike Hilton in free agency and then probably still draft the cornerback. They probably want another backup safety, you know, as well. So, like, they've got those things to address, but if you let go of Joe Hayden or Steven Nelson, some, I've seen some people suggest cutting cutting Joe Hayden. You're putting yourself in a very slim position with cornerback. And, you know, the Steelers just got out of that situation. They, right now, the emphasis of this Team West is defense. You make the defense great and make them whole, and that's how you're going to win most of your games. You invest right now the draft picks in the offense to get the offensive line together and rebuild that group. But the defense is where you keep the money in. Uh, right now, Steven Nelson, he's in his late 20s, extended. Give him two more years. It saves you some money now. It keeps, you know, keeps him on the team. You, you know he's a staple in your secondary that you can just put on the outside. Joe Hayden, maybe you do one more year, and you say, you know what, Joe? You're playing really well. You haven't really fallen off. And, and again, I said this before, Joe Hayden's style of play is all about positioning, outworking you, and making sure that he's being in the, you know, he's not getting beat to the, beat to a certain spot. He's not a guy that relies on over overt speed and outrunning you to a spot. He's going to get there before you before you're there. He's going to do the sound thing technique wise to keep you from taking advantage of him. And then he's going to trail you and he's going to work over your back shoulder and knock the ball away. Those are the things that Joe Hayden does, and he does them well. And those are often the things that make cornerbacks last longer mm. in the league, which is why I think he deserves to probably get a, a year extension because also he's a leader. Like you know, I'm sure you could attest to this, Wes. When when they're at Latrobe, I you know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen it, even like in warm up and stretch lines where the whole cornerback group or even the whole secondary is kind of hanging out, <laughs> and Joe Hayden's like right in the middle of it, leading the way, telling jokes, and everyone's kind of looking at him, and it's just like that's that's a guy that you want in your locker room. I agree, my friend. I agree. Chris Carter, DK Pittsburgh Sports, and the Locked On Steelers podcast with us here on the afternoon delight. All of our guests brought to you by the Fox Bet app. Make the call, download the app today. Chris, uh, speaking of contracts. You think anything gets done with T.J. Watt this offseason, or is there, is there potential that they could uh, kick that down the road, let him play out the last year of his deal, maybe even consider that F-word, the franchise tag, uh, with all these, you know, everything going on with Ben and, and the cap crunch because of the pandemic. You think we get a T.J. Watt extension this offseason? Have you heard anything along those lines? I mean, I think it would make a lot of sense to try and get something done now because, like, every year the next big edge rusher gets paid, and then every year you're sitting there like, oh, man, the number for TJ is going up because every because that, that new deal, like Miles Garrett's deal, Khalil Mack deal, all, all these guys, as soon as they get their money, it just put, it just raises the dollar signs of TJ Watt, especially since, you know, Miles Garrett hasn't had a season yet where he's had more sacks than TJ Watt. Um, so it's like I, I look at that and I say, man, TJ's, 
numbers are going up. I think that that's also a situation where the Steelers are looking at to say, okay, we want to give this guy an extension, but we don't know how much, how many, you know, what our numbers are going to be like. So let's see how, how, you know, what kind of cap number we can negotiate for this year to start the contract and then how big we can make it in the years following or how big we have to make it in the four or five years after that. Cause it will be like a four to five year deal. Uh, that, that he gets because they want to make him a, you know, the franchise player, the face of the defense and everything moving forward. So I'd expect that. Um, I'd expect next year to be the time to do that for Minka Fitzpatrick because mm-hmm. he's absolutely another piece that you need to be a pillar of this team moving forward. But, yeah, I would expect something from T.J. Watt this year. It would just make a lot of sense, again, to help them with this year's cap and then also to make sure that, hey, we're not even worried about J.J. Watt next year or T.J. Watt next year, <laughs> excuse me, all, all the J.J.'s and T.J.'s. And now we had to worry about K.J. with the Peloton bike this morning. I don't know if you saw that. I it's, did. It's just been ridiculous. Well, that's where I was going next, Chris. Nice transition. Um, speaking of Watts, J.J. Watt made that decision. I mean, via his own Twitter account, he's signing with the Cardinals. I don't know, Chris. I might still need a second source to confirm. But J.J. <laughs> JJ Watt off to the desert, reuniting with uh, with DeAndre Hopkins out there in Arizona. Were you surprised at the money? Uh, two years, $31 million. Uh, I think 23, 24 of that. Uh, 23 guaranteed on the two-year $31 million contract. Were you surprised that he got such a, a big number when you kind of look at it, what he's done the last five years? And two, like me, are you <laughs> – Honestly, Chris, I'm upset he didn't end up in Cleveland because I just I, it would have been a great storyline, and you know you do what you and I do, and all you're really doing is rooting for the story. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Cleveland would have been great because one, you're close to the family. It, it would have made a lot of sense, like 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 on a, like on an off weekend or a long weekend. Or yeah, true. Anytime you just had, you know, it's an hour drive, and you just, you get over from Pittsburgh to Cleveland or Cleveland to Pittsburgh, and then everybody's together, and it's a wonderful time. And that to me made the most sense is why I do that. But I mean, technically guys, he did choose Pittsburgh West. So I mean, <laughs> he did accomplish that part, but no, the, the only thing that surprised me was, um, you know, I, I actually didn't surprise me because Arizona, I mean, Deandre Hopkins was openly saying, bro, let's just do this over here <laughs> because they, they're treating me right. I guarantee you they, they definitely had a conversation and was like, he was like, yeah, this is what's going on over here. Uh, and those two of the guys are two of the best players ever in the Texans franchise. I can say that because they've only existed for about two decades. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that makes sense. And $15.5 million a year, that was the exact number we've been hearing from the insiders saying that that was the the amount of money that he that that's being thrown his way right now. Um, you know, I, th- I know there's some people out there that are saying like, well, the Cardinals aren't re- are a real contender. Like, ah! I mean, I think if, if Kyler Murray can continue to to improve and they can stay healthy and they can get a few things to work their way, I think him and Chandler Jones and uh, and Buda Baker and that defense, they, they could do some damage next year. It will take some serious upgrades on offense. I think they need to um, – they'll be a team that I'll be interested if they go after a, a running back early on. I know Kenyon Drake's a free agent this year, and maybe they could use something like that to balance their offense. But all in all, I, you know, I think it's, it's great for J.J. because he's getting a chance to – go to a franchise that has a young quarterback and has a future and he's getting paid. I mean, 23 guaranteed, uh, you know, the only reason that this, that, that his market was so high is because there's so many teams that are like, I could use a, st- a stellar player on the, in- on the, sure. on the defensive front 
whether it's an edge guy or an inside guy, and he can flip between the two, and he's a, he's like a you know a well-known leader and a guy like a good guy for your locker room. All of that plays into teams that want to compete. So it, it didn't surprise me that he got paid, which is why, again, I was saying the whole time, like, I doubt he comes to Pittsburgh just because his brothers play here. Didn't come to Pittsburgh, but didn't give us the story either. I mean, thanks a lot, JJ. <laughs> uh, Chris, Chris, last one for you here, buddy. And you know I always kind of like to uh, transition, throw you a little curveball for the last question. Um, sure. So I wanted to just ask you a quick question about hoops, uh, but particularly, I guess, college sports, really, uh, if we're looking at the bigger picture. Um, we all know the transfer market has been crazy for college athletes. It, it just hit pit this past week. Uh, it yeah. got, it got my WVU Mountaineers with Oscar Shibway earlier in the season. So my question for you, just kind of as, as it relates to, to transfers in college sports, I, I was just wondering your thoughts on the amount of transfers that we've seen lately, particularly, like I said, in, in high level basketball and high level football, is it one of those things that it just is what it is in the modern era? Do you think that it's a, a bad trend? And, I don't know. I keep coming back to while I might not like it since coaches and, and athletic administrators can do the same thing. Uh, is it fair in that regard? I, I think that the transfer portal, the existence and use of the transfer portal itself is fair. What I think is, has become unfair has been people get on players. And sometimes I think the play, a, a certain player with a certain context, depending their story deserves criticism. Like, Hey man, you could have stuck this out. Sure, this sure. wasn't, you know, this this wasn't as bad as, as you made it seem. But there have been so many times and so many untold stories over the past decade of, of college sports where coaches have abused that power. And before there was a thing that, that they could use a transfer portal and they gave them as much freedom as they have now, players would just rot away and their careers would wilt. It, where, you know, it would hurt their psyche. Um, you know, I thought that was an interesting plot point in hmm. the uh, in the baller series on HBO in the second yeah. half when they get into the, the Rock Brother and, and again that was just a, that was just a TV show but it, you know, it represented what I think a lot of college players go to you know my uh, my uncle my uncle Ben he played for Clarion and you know he had some really good years at, at Clarion playing football there uh, lined up against Jim Hazlitt back in the day and you know when my dad was coming up and, and he was playing high school ball and Clarion tried to talk to him. my uncle Ben said no you will not talk to these guys hmm. they are they, you know and he you know he's he, he's like no I know what you do to players and again that's clary that's small you know pa you know d2 school sure we're, we're talking about ohio state you know florida alabama you know you know like clemson like all these different schools that that have this all this kind of power who knows what happens in, in the in the background i mean people know but mm-hmm. um I, I just i feel like the transfer portal gives some power back to students to be able to do it and are there students that do it they abuse it absolutely and you know i think that it's that there are certain problems where there's certain times where you're running away from a problem that where you could face it up and face up against it and you do well really well with it. I think a perfect example from Pitt's basketball, and Jeff Capel spoke about this, this this morning on his ACC coach call, is Terrell Brown. Terrell Brown is the only holdover from the Kevin Stallings days. When he came to Pitt, you know, it was it was Kevin Kevin Stallings' first year. Everything was supposed to be nice and this new coach was here. And then Kevin Stallings was a disaster. Capel came in, started bringing in his guys. Terrell Brown saw less and less time. And Brown knew that he probably wasn't going to get a lot of time this year because Pitt brought in John Hugley and then they were using a, a, a you know Abdul Kareem Koulibaly. But Brown stuck around and when Hugley went out because of his issues and uh, you know Koulibaly's had some fouling issues, he's gotten more and more time. And lo and behold, this past weekend, he got his first career double-double. And uh, you know Je- Jeff Capel said he's proud of him, not just on the court, but especially off the court for the man he's developed into. And I think that's where a lot of this 
goes back to is what is your specific situation? Are you running away Mm. because you think that, you know, that, that you didn't get a fair shot? Are you running away because this coach is abusive? It's way too hard to just slap a, a label on every student athlete in college football or basketball or whatever player as far as why you are transferring. So that's why I'm not against it in the system. I do think that it is, it is abused by some players who just want to get their way and they're just like, eh, you know, I don't like this coach. I'm getting out of here. Whereas, you know, you know, even, even in high school, like when I was in high school sports, I didn't like my coaches at times, but then they got in my face, pushed me, and I realized, you know what, they're challenging me to be better about myself. And then I understood that the fact, and I think that's that's something that sometimes gets missed in today's in today's college sports, just from, again, from being able to run away from those problems. And that's what Jeff Capel was talking about on his ACC coach call. So that's just me. But again, I wouldn't slap a label on anything. I think that there are problems with it, but I'd rather it be there than it not be there, because then you put the power completely in the other direction. And when yeah. you, you know. You know, when you do that, you give your you open yourself up to a lot of uh, a lot of abuse. You know, so great stuff as always with our buddy Chris Carter. Read his work, DKPittsburghSports.com. Subscribe to the Locked On Steelers podcast and listen to him here every Monday on ESPN Pittsburgh as well, buddy. Great stuff as always. I appreciate your time. Same here, Wes. You take care.